Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Kirby. And I'm Sarah. Welcome Welcome to to Los Angeles. Every week we break down the most important beauty news and launches, interview your favorite beauty experts, influencers, and celebrity guests, and review our favorite beauty products of the moment as your beauty editor BFFs from the beautiful and great city of Los Angeles. Welcome Glamgelinos. We hope you stay a while. Cute. That's cute. Glamgelinos. It's my favorite time of the year. It's Halloween weekend. I hope y'all are gearing up for some fun. If you're not into dressing up like myself, it's totally fine. I hope that you're finding some time to just get on the couch, turn on Freeform, watch Hocus Pocus, watch Adam's Family, binge all of the screams. I have a little bit of a controversial opinion in that I rank the Scream franchise in a very specific way, and people like to yell at me about it on the internet. My favorite is obviously the original. It's the first for a reason. It's the best. Then, Scream 4. I know. I know. Um, I may be biased because Hayden Panettiere plays a character named Kirby, and she has an iconic scene where she is just spitting out every single murderer you could think of to the killer. All right, Kirby. Then it's time for your last chance question. Name the remake of the groundbreaking horror movie in which the villain... Halloween, uh, Texas Chainsaw, Dawn of the Dead, The Hills Have Eyes, Amityville Horror, uh, Last House on the Left, Friday the 13th, A Nightmare on Elm Street, My Bloody Valentine, When a Stranger Calls Prom Night, Black Christmas House of Wax in the Fog, uh, Piranha. It's one of those, right? Right? It's iconic. I freaking love it. It has a great soundtrack, too. Then Scream 2. We absolutely absolutely love the Jerry O'Connell singing in the library moment. And while it may be completely unhinged, and I know it's ranking last, it's still really fun to watch (laughs) Scream 3. So why don't y'all do yourselves a favor, watch all four of them this weekend the 25th anniversary of Scream is actually coming up in December. Can y'all believe that? They released Scream in December of 1996. In 1996, someone thought, hmm, this is the right time. Christmas is nigh. Let's get people into the theaters to watch Drew Barrymore get bludgeoned. I nothing says Christmas like mass murders. Okay, anyways. Um... Where am I going with this? <laughs> enjoy your couch. Enjoy your candy. Enjoy your scary movies. Enjoy your not-so-scary movies. Enjoy just feeling the cozy fall vibes, okay? That's what this weekend is all about. Of course, 
costumes will be had. If you would like to see mine, you can check out my Instagram. I'm really excited about both of them. But today, today on October 29th, we are celebrating Halloween a tiny bit early with a spooky episode. It's just me. And not because Sarah didn't want to be a part of this. We just couldn't coordinate the schedules. The schedules were uncoordinatable, if that's even a word. Our guest today is the lovely Bailey Sarian. If you're not familiar with Bailey, you will be because you're going to fall in love with her after hearing this conversation. She has a channel on YouTube with a series called Murder, Mystery, and Makeup. And really, she changed the entire makeup tutorial game when people were doing these tutorials where they were dragging brands and, you know, giving these really in-depth tutorials on how to apply makeup and giving their honest quote-unquote reviews of different brands. She was kind of just like, okay, what am I interested in? True crime. Great. I'm a professional makeup artist. Why don't I combine the two? And she did. And that's where Murder Mystery and Makeup came from. She also has an incredible podcast, which we're going to be touching on, called Dark History. I wanted to give y'all the heads up on that because I think y'all are probably going to want to go binge it after you listen to this episode. I'm going to link the episode that we talk about so you can start there. But really, it's an incredibly researched show and lots of fun to hear Bailey talk through it because it really kind of sounds like you're just listening to a girlfriend recount every single historical fact that you could think of. (laughs) Just a reminder that if you love our podcast, Gloss Angeles, please go and subscribe to us on Apple. Leave us a kind review if you have something fun to mention about us, even better. Um, Please follow us on Spotify. I freaking love Spotify. It's where I listen to my podcasts, um, all my favorite podcasts. When I when I re-listen to this podcast to make sure we don't sound too insane, I listen on Spotify. And just follow us on social. We're putting out a lot more video content. If you want to watch this episode, you can because it's on our YouTube channel. So just look up Los Angeles and watch it there. We will be back on Tuesday. November the 2nd for a whole new wife and beauty news episode. Enjoy this chat with Bailey and we'll talk to you then. All right, everyone. This is such an exciting guest, especially for spooky season, but just really any time to have Bailey Sarian on the podcast. Thank you so much for coming on the pod, Bailey. Oh my God. Thank you so much for having me, Kirby. It's so nice to meet you and get to talk to you. I'm excited. I say this to people that I watch pretty religiously, but I kind of feel like I know you. I'm sure you get that a lot when you meet people that watch your content. What is something that people are most surprised to learn about you when they meet you in real life? I'm exactly the same person I am on the internet, I guess. I think because a lot of people are kind of surprised about that because a lot of content creators or YouTubers kind of create a character, which isn't bad or anything, but I'm literally just me. So they're like, oh yeah, you're just like you are on YouTube. I'm like, yeah. (laughs) 
no double life living, which is great persona to keep up. We start every episode of this podcast with a segment called What's on Your Face. Are there some products that you're loving and you've been using a lot lately that you wanted to shout out? Oh my God, yes. So my full face right now is One Size Beauty. Their Turn Up the Base Foundation Powder. I freaking love this stuff. I bought like every color. I do it all over. I bought like a contour color. I just can't get enough. It's just a pressed powder, but it looks flawless, smoothest, full coverage. It's incredible. I did it quickly this morning, but looks good. I love it. Yeah, your skin looks incredible. And I've been seeing this particular product blowing up on TikTok. So now I feel uh, like with your endorsement, I'm going to have to go pick it up. Oh my God, you need to. It's so good. I don't have anything to compare it to. I think the closest I could compare it to, if you want a drugstore version, is the Infallible by L'Oreal, like their foundation powder. It's kind of similar, but not really, but kind of. So it's like, if you want a drugstore option, that one's really good. But the one size is like, definitely splurge if you can on that powder. It's so good. Awesome. Okay. So I want to get into your early life pre-career. We're going to talk all the things. I read that your mom was a 911 dispatcher. Is this true? Yes, she was for a very long time, like almost 20 years, I think. And she would take me with her to work when I was a kid, which honestly, not a great idea, but choices were made. <laughs> so I would go with her and it was fascinating to me. I put on my the little headphones and I would just listen into the 911 calls coming in. And I don't know, it was like my first introduction to the real world, I guess, because no one's calling 911 to report anything good. Everyone is calling with bad news. So I would just sit and listen in and I was fascinated by it. Did you understand what your mom was doing at that age or were you still too young? You were like, my mom gets scary calls. <laughs> yeah, you know what? What did I think about it? I didn't put two and two together until I got older. I tell my mom now, like, I don't know how you did that job. It's such a hard job. You don't get rewarded for it. People call with all bad news and then you get no follow up. So it's like, what happened to that person? And you're essentially saving lives, hopefully, you know, and it's like they don't get a pat on the back for that. It's just their job. I don't know how anyone does it and stays sane. But at the time, I think it was just my mom's job and I got to listen in like it was exciting, which is really sad. <laughs> no, I mean, I think it definitely has obviously informed your career path in a way for sure. Let's talk about makeup, though. So you are an accomplished professional makeup artist. And your career is so interesting to me because at a time when everybody was doing the same thing over and over and over, you really took a different approach to making makeup content on YouTube. Can you walk our audience through like your career as a makeup artist and then how you got into starting your YouTube channel? Yeah, I didn't even wear makeup until I was about 18 years old. And when I was 19, I think I went to a Sephora and I applied and I got a position there. I knew nothing at all. I don't even know how I got hired, but great. 
So I got hired there and I ended up working for Sephora for about five years. And while I was there, they send you to different trainings. They train you like every single day. And I learned so much just about skincare, about skin tones, undertones, eye shapes, face shape, I mean, everything I could imagine. And it was nice because so many people were coming in to find new makeup and I would just practice on them. They didn't know I was practicing, but I was. And I would just practice on them. (laughs) And then towards like, I would say three years in, maybe four years in, I finally got confident enough to start doing makeup on the side. So I live in an area where there's a lot of bridal, brides getting married in this area. So I would do a ton of bridal makeup. I did that for quite some time. Then I just decided it was time to leave Sephora, started working for Urban Decay. They opened up a store in Newport Beach and I was working at their freestanding store, which was so much fun. Oh my gosh, Bailey. What? That's crazy. You worked at that store? Yeah. I went to that store opening for a press trip. No way. Yeah, it was like a huge deal that they were opening a freestanding store because they had never had one. Oh my gosh, I wonder if I had met you in some way. That's so crazy. We were there for like four days covering the whole thing. It was wild. Wow. Then we probably crossed paths because there was only like four or five of us working. So we yeah. were there oh my nonstop. Gosh. And then we had that big party, the Urban Decay party that one yes. night. Yeah, I was there too. I had blonde hair at the time. Oh well, my God, wait, I'm yeah. going to go through my phone <laughs> and see if I can find you. Funny. <laughs> yeah, that was fun. That was like huge. It was. Urban Decay opening a store was like, oh my God, it's happening. And that was so much fun. Mage. Yeah. But then I got to a point where I was like, I don't want to work sales. I don't want to do sales anymore. I want to do makeup. So I quit my job, which was really scary. And I started freelancing full time. So it was a lot of bridal makeup, a lot of special occasion. And then I started assisting different celebrity makeup artist and that got me into like see the other side of things and that was a lot of fun and then at the same time I was doing YouTube just kind of sharing my knowledge and whatnot and then I was getting kind of burnt out because doing freelance makeup is really hard (laughs) I mean like I enjoy it I love it but all the stuff to prep for it like the driving to your clients the setting up the taking down just all of it it gets so stressful at times Some people like to treat you like garbage and you're like, "Mm, thanks, you know? So I was like, I just want to like focus on Mm, YouTube. mm -hmm. So I started focusing on YouTube. So then in 2013, I had started my YouTube and I was just uploading every so often. Then I started uploading more consistently. And it wasn't until 2019 where my YouTube channel actually took off to a point where I could pay bills with the income. So in 2018, the Chris Watts case had happened. Were you following that at all? Uh, Are you kidding me? Yes. It's like how I found you. (laughs) (laughs) So I was following that like crazy. And this was before he was obviously sentenced, but everyone knew it was him. So I was like reading all the different articles. I would stay up until like four in the morning, just reading everything, trying to solve the mystery. And I had all this built up knowledge about it, but I didn't have anybody to talk to about it with because no one cared in my family or anything to talk about it. So I was like, what if I make a video where I just talk about the case and everything I learned and then do my makeup so it kind of like keeps me busy and also makes sense to my YouTube channel. And I was really hesitant at first because I wasn't sure how it was going to be received. Obviously makeup Mm -hmm. and like murder, it's like, not sure. So I kind of waited for a while. And then finally one day I was like, let me just try it. Let me just do it, see what happens. And that video got 
I think like 60,000 views within the first 24 hours. And I was averaging at like five to 10,000 views. And I was like, okay, I think I'm onto something here. I'm onto something. That video just kept growing and growing and growing. So I was like, let me try it again with a different story. So I did another story and I've just kept going ever since. <laughs> I never imagined it was going to turn into what it did. It's insane. One thing that I really appreciate about you when you tell these stories about these extreme cases that are like obviously so upsetting to hear about is like you don't glorify the deaths. You really try to uplift the victims that you're speaking about. Is that an intentional thing? Totally. We are so desensitized in our community. Like any TV show you watch, true crime show, whatever, they always go into great detail about the crime scene, how the person was bludgeoned to death and just really gory. And honestly, we don't need to know that stuff. It doesn't benefit us in any way besides make us feel really bad. So I want to talk about these true crime stories and just get to the point and not go into the gory details because we don't need to know that. And honestly, just talking about gory details and doing my makeup didn't feel that great. So it's like sometimes I kind of lightly go into things, but usually I stay clear. It's like victims are more than just a victim. They had a whole life before this one awful thing happened to them. So I don't like to focus on them just being a victim and how they were taken out or something. Has there ever been a story that like you personally been interested in and have been keeping up with and you decide ultimately this probably isn't a story I'm going to tell on my channel? Ooh, that's a good question. No, because I usually have told them. <laughs> the one that like, <laughs> really kind of going to wait on was Chad Daybell situation. So I did a video on them and I've just really been waiting to see how it turns out before I do like another video. Usually I, I like to wait until the court has like sentenced them or came to a, some kind of ending. I feel like information changes and I don't want to put out wrong information, but also it's like, let me get some closure and whatnot and kind of see what happens. Totally. Another thing I appreciate about your content, Bailey, is that like it is so well researched. You know, as a journalist, I take a lot of pride in making sure that like I don't report misinformation and that I really do my due diligence to like not put anything out there that could possibly be misinterpreted. And I think you do also an incredible job especially on your podcast, Dark History. Like I told you before, I was binging all of the episodes and I'm like, this is such a well-produced, well-researched crime story to be telling. Did you grow up with like an interest in reporting or journalism? I just think that like you really have a good knack for it. Wow, that is the biggest compliment. Thank you so much. Of course. Research is everything to me. It's so important. I don't ever want to put out wrong information. And I thoroughly enjoy it, actually. And you know what? No, I never thought in a million years, I would enjoy researching and writing my little reports on these people and stuff. But it is so fun. When I started doing it, like with the Chris Watts one, I was so obsessed just trying to figure everything out. And then I typed out the whole story and it was just so fun. I was like, let me try this again. So I just kept going and it opened up this whole new world where researching and writing something I never thought I'd be interested in, but here I am. Plus it's really important. And I like to flex on people like, yeah, I got the right information, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you.
I want to talk a little bit about the difference between murder mystery and makeup and dark history. Obviously, with the success of your YouTube channel, it was uh, like inevitable that people were going to want you to do a podcast. And I know that you upload your podcast to YouTube as well. How do you separate the two? Like, what is the differentiating factor? Like, let's say our audience is trying to figure out like, which one to listen to first. Do you have any suggestions? I want to say it's two different audiences, but at the same time, it's not. Okay. I wanted to let true crime people know that history is just as interesting. Because I think a lot of us, when we think of history, it's boring. The language they use in the history books, it's like, what are they even saying? What are they talking about? It's just overwhelming. It's not very fun. Honestly, it's pretty biased. While researching for murder mystery makeup, I would come across all of these stories that were like, history focused and didn't really fit the true crime space but I knew like they were interesting stories that I wanted to talk about so I was like okay once I got the offer for the podcast I was like I know what I want to do I want to do a history focused like a podcast it's pretty similar but I'm not doing my makeup and I'm just telling a story and we have a lot more help with dark history dark history I wanted to make sure that we were coming out with the most accurate information, first of all. I wanted to know the truth and get to the bottom of everything that we didn't learn in school. So we have different historians and specialists who help us do the research. Then we have a team of writers and we all sit down and kind of learn this history lesson together. And then we pretty much type it into a way that makes sense. I freaking love that. What a dream job to like get to sit down and work with people that are like historians and, you know, fact checkers. And then, you know, one thing about making digital content is like, you can't get too in the weeds sometimes because sometimes your audience will check out, right? So like you have to present it in a way that's not only fun. I think basically the point I'm getting to is like, I think that's why I really enjoy dark history because when I'm listening to you, it's like listening to a girlfriend tell me this history versus being like very dry, very boring, like by the book. I want to talk to you about an episode that is fresh in my mind. It's the history of birth control. I love how you started it out. You're like, I was at a bar drinking a beer, but I had to take my birth control. (laughs) And I'm like, should I take my birth control with a beer? Probably not, but it's all I had, whatever. And then this led you down the rabbit hole. I was hoping just so we can do a little bit of cross promo Would you mind telling, like, there's so much to touch on on this particular subject, but there is a little bit of a beauty tie-in, which I thought was interesting, because Gamble of Procter & Gamble is involved in this particular story. Are you able to maybe summarize a little bit about his role and, and what he played in the birth control story? Gamble was like the money man. He was funding the whole experiment. I don't even know if it was an experiment or what they were doing, but they, some people in charge, decided that it would be best if they could control the population. So, and only make sure that the more desired type of person was reproducing and the less desirables were not reproducing. In other words, white people were having kids And black people were not having kids, like simple as that. So they went to Puerto Rico because Puerto Rico was really struggling with overpopulation. So it was like the perfect place to do this little trial and try to find a pill 
that would prevent people from having kids. So they did some trials. A lot of women got their tubes tied without even realizing it. A lot of women got sick and died because of the pill and they never like made a mention of it. And they did it for many, many, many years. Before it was released to the United States, it was made public, right? And everyone was like, yay, women's rights. But back in Puerto Rico, it was still seen as like preventing them from having kids. And they were like paying a heavy price for it. They were getting sick. They were dying. They would get their tubes tied on lunch breaks. It's bizarre. It's a bizarre story. And it makes you feel, I don't know, you're so torn because birth control is such a good thing. But the way it started I don't think it had anything to do with women's rights. They were trying to kind of control mm. the population. But at the same time, it's like you want to hold on to it because now it's all about controlling our bodies. But yeah. originally, I don't think it was about controlling our bodies at all. They were wanted to control us from having kids. Y'all, we're going to link Bailey's episode in our show notes so that you can go listen to this. This is the most fascinating, interesting episodes of dark history that I have listened to. And Bailey does a really amazing job of like, yeah, we all thought women's rights go birth control, you know, like especially when it was introduced to us in the 60s. It was like during that movement of like, you know, being free and being sexually liberal and like having a great time. But then when you hear about the roots and how it initially started and the woman who initially thought she was doing something good, but then, you know, you find out later she's like speaking at like women for Ku Klux Klan rallies. I mean, it is the most insane thing that you could listen to on a Monday morning. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I was like, I gotta get the proper headspace to talk to Bailey after this. But I really appreciate you even diving into that. Because that's just something that I don't think is really widely publicized. And, and it's not a piece of content that a lot of people would maybe want to go there with. No, I mean, why would anybody want to talk about the truth? And I feel like that is what I want to do. I'm a very curious person. I'm always wondering where stuff came from. How'd this start? Who made it? Blah. So it kind of always leads me down these little rabbit holes where things started. And it's never what you thought it was. Never, ever. It's always something about hating women or hating a certain community. And they were trying to get rid of them. And oops, we made birth control. <laughs> like, you know, like, yeah. it's just exhausting but I think talking about the truth and owning up to it is a good thing because like America has a lot of dirty laundry that they need to own up to and it's okay like let's talk about it yeah let's evolve the only mm -hmm. way that we can evolve is by you know addressing the past for sure exactly okay so I was listening to an episode of dark history you said this and it kind of like sparked a question you said that you don't cuss super early in your episodes because YouTube gets mad, quote unquote. Okay. So has there ever been a piece of content that you've uploaded to YouTube that's been censored? Just like straight up, you were demonetized because of the content. I would imagine because of the content you cover, you maybe struggle with that. Is that a common thing that you deal with? Yeah, definitely. YouTube has relaxed their rules a little bit more on cursing, which is nice. I know they're like within the first 30 seconds, don't curse. And I've tested that theory many times. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, like just my last Monday video got demonetized. And honestly, I can't be mad at it 
I'm using a platform that is owned by a company who has rules and regulations. And if you want to upload on their platform, you have to play by the rules. I'm talking about some like pretty gory, awful things. I kind of get it. There are some times yeah. when like I censor myself. I don't curse. I keep the crime scene very vague. And when those ones get demonetized, I'm like, okay, okay, listen here, YouTube. Listen. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I don't get it. But um, yeah, so it's a constant battle, but I don't know like what I'm supposed to do about it besides censor myself. And that's boring. I don't want to do that. You have a really good head on your shoulders. I love that you have like nuance to everything that you talk about because sometimes people like feel really entitled and I love that you're just kind of like, but you know, I am putting my product on their platform. So if it happens, it happens. I know. And so many people always talk about that, like they're entitled to do whatever they want on these websites and stuff. It's like, it just doesn't work that way. And it's never going to work that way. So it is what it is. Like, (laughs) I don't, I'm not going to complain about it. Okay. So now we're going to kind of take a little bit of a left turn to some lighter fare. Okay. We're going to talk makeup. What are some makeup products that have you really excited lately? Obviously one size, the new powder foundation. What are some other things that you find yourself constantly reaching for? Oh my God, I have so many. I use like the same stuff over and over and over again. Like when I like something, you can tell because I'm using it in every Monday video. So right now the one size, obviously, the NARS Radiant Creamy Concealer. Yeah, that's my favorite. I was very late to that game. Incredible. So good. It's so good. Also, Scott Barnes has a contour palette that I freaking love. It's so different than any other contour palette I've owned. There's so many different options. Love it. I need to pick that one up. (laughs) Yes. I'm like trying to think because I use that bad boy for everything. Contour, eyeshadows. I guess that's really it. So that's everything in my mind. But it's so good. It's so good. And then, of course, like the Laura Mercier loose setting powder. That's like just a go-to. I guess that's like mainly my for sure go-tos. Everything else is just kind of I'm playing around. As a professional makeup artist, are there specific brushes that you are obsessed with? I love Smith Cosmetics. Is it Smith Cosmetics or Smith Brushes? I don't know. That's a good question. They're gorgeous. They last forever if you take care of them. And I love that like this big one is actually really pretty for a foundation. It gives a really airbrushed look. I love this one. Smith and Sephora. Those are like my go-to brushes. Sephora brand, I love their brushes. Yeah, Sephora brand makes a lot of great products in general. They're doing it right. I'm into it. They really are. Okay, we're going back to murder mystery, okay? Anybody from the stories that you've told reached out to you, whether it be like a family member? Can you tell us a little bit about that and like what those experiences have been like? Yeah, it's always, it makes you nervous because my goal is to never offend anybody. It's not what I want to do. So when I see an email that's like, that was my family member. I'm like, oh no, did I do you justice? And was it everything okay? And the handful of times that it's happened, everything has been really good. It's been good feedback. A lot of the times they don't understand why I'm doing my makeup, but then they watch it and they're like, oh, but I kind of liked it. (laughs) There's been one time where, One family member had reached out to me and asked me to take down a video, which no questions asked. I took it down. I'm not here to ruin anyone's life. And then I had another lady reach out. She didn't want me to like name her or who she was related to. 
but she saw the video. She really liked it. And she was like, you need to come over for dinner. Like, so, so she invited me over and I got to take her up on that. I still haven't take her, taken her up on that, but she was like, I love the video. It was so good. <laughs> it was so funny. That's like the highest honor, I guess, when you're, you know, reporting on something of that nature. And then the person's actually like, hey, you knocked it out of the park. Good job. I know. It makes you feel like, whew, okay. <laughs> sigh of relief. Sigh of relief. Okay. The last question I want to ask you is Halloween related. This is our Halloween episode. I would assume that since you do talk about true crime, you're probably really into spooky season. Is this true or false? Are you like, eh, whatever, I could do without Halloween? Or do you really engage? No, I love Halloween. I love the idea of Halloween, the aesthetics of it all. <laughs> I love the pumpkins, the spider webs, the spooky dark colors. I love it all. But like Halloween day, I don't care about. I don't care about like partying or anything like that. Like I'll stay inside and just watch Hocus Pocus or something. But the whole month is just like, I don't know, wrapped in a cozy blanket with candles and Ugg boots and you're just living it up in fall. <laughs> yes, that's me. I wish you could see my house right now. I just, it looks like Spirit Halloween barfed all over it, you know? It's like, let's turn on the fire, have a cozy blankie, watch 31 Nights of Halloween on Freeform. Do you, can you share, are you dressing up this year? Are you going anywhere, doing anything, going to any parties this weekend? I think I'm just going to take the nieces and nephews trick-or-treating. So when that happens, I just put on like a pair of cat ears and I'm like, I'm a cat. And then I just kind of like, <laughs> <laughs> like I, Halloween day to me isn't that exciting. It's just the whole month of shenanigans that I love. Okay, now rapid fire before we close this out. Uh, by the way, do people call you Bales, like as a nickname? It's not my favorite because it reminds me of like Pales. I don't know. Hey Bales? <laughs> oh, <pale. laughs> Wait, Hey Bales, that too. That's what it is. I don't know. I just like don't care for it. But I mean, I'm not mad. If, actually, yeah, Bales isn't my favorite. Bay, I like Bay. <laughs> Ooh, Bay. That's a good one. See, one of my best friends growing up, her name was Bailey, and all our, our friend group called her Bales. And then that meant my name was Curbs. And I was like, what are we doing here? Why are yeah. we calling me Curbs? But if somebody calls me Curbs, I'm like, okay, it feels nostalgic. I'll like mm -hmm. indulge you. Go for it. Okay, Bailey, let's do rapid fire. What are your top three emojis in your phone? The most used? Oh, the laughing cry face, the sideways one, always. That's my go-to. The red heart and the, the smiling face with a tear. Yes, happy and sad <laughs> at the same time. Yeah, I feel like that one best describes me. <laughs> yeah, pretty boring. I abuse the like cry laughing face. I need to stop it. But like sometimes you don't know what to say to people. So I just send that I'm like, yeah, it's funny. I feel like that one's aging, though. We need to move on from it. I've seen a lot of the kids using this skull, and I'm like, okay, I think this is where we're going. Skull. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. If you had to use only one brand for the rest of your life, what would it be? NARS. That's easy. I love NARS products. They never disappoint. Tried and true, always. Mm -hmm. Who is your celebrity crush? Tom Hardy. Tom Hardy's boy he is smoking hot mm. 
and like a man of the world, which I really appreciate. Like he gets it. He's just mm, delicious. If you were going to launch a beauty brand, what would you name it? Oh, that's a good question. I never thought about that. I would want it to sound bougie. And I feel like Bailey doesn't sound bougie. So it would have to be something else. I don't know. I always thought about the products more than the name. Any suggestions? Well, now that you've thrown me for a loop with the bougie comment, now we got to like, we got to take it to like the next level. We got to find Bailey, like translate it into some other language, make it like Bailey. No, no, no. And final question, Bailey, you a big hotshot movie star. You have billboards all over Los Angeles. You have a big blockbuster coming out. Who is your co-star? Tom Hardy. (laughs) You're like, listen, it's going to be Tom Hardy. He's my crush. We're going to make out. We're going to have a sex scene. We're going to be totally into it. Okay. (laughs) Yes. It's going to be great. And it's going to be like just the best. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you so, so much for joining me today, Bailey. You're a breath of fresh air. I really just respect all of the work that you do. It's so fun to listen to you. Where can everybody find you and all of your content? Thank you so much. Such a compliment. Thank you. (laughs) You can find me over on YouTube. Just type in Bailey Sarian or Murder Mystery Makeup and I'll come right up. You can find me on Twitter, Bailey Sarian, Instagram, TikTok. Bailey Sarian. Oh, and then podcast. I do dark histories on Wednesdays and you can find that wherever you listen to podcasts. And then we upload a video version over on my YouTube on Thursdays. And it was kind of a lot, but I'm everywhere. (laughs) Pumping it out. We love to see it. Everyone. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Los Angeles with Bailey. You guys know where to find us on Instagram and Twitter at Los Angeles pod. Join our Facebook group, the Los Angeles Glam Gelinos. So much fun is being had in that group. And of course you can find all of Bailey's recommendations. We're going to link to her podcast on our website, which is glossangelespod.com. And we'll be back on Tuesday. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.